What is up guys, this is Tyler Babin and I am so excited to welcome you guys to the first episode of Tuesday Morning Coffee and this is going to be my new podcast where I'm sitting down with creators and influencers and entrepreneurs and frankly just friends of mine that are doing super interesting and inspiring things and we're going to talk to them about sort of the intersection of, of life and creativity and how they do what they do every single day. So to kick things off, I sat down last week with Brandon Bryan who's honestly one of the most interesting guys I've ever met. I really admire what he's been able to build. Uh, we first sort of got to know each other in the walls of VaynerMedia while I was still there, and since leaving, we've sort of been able to like build out a little bit more of a relationship. During this conversation, we talked about how he got his start in investment banking. He moved into starting a men's fashion blog and then was able to actually quit that banking job and turn to that bank into one of his biggest clients. That is just one of the many, many things that we dug into on this conversation, and I'm so excited to present this to you guys. I think Brandon is without a doubt someone who needs to be on your radar. Uh, I also want to give one quick note going into this first episode. I will sort of admit to myself I made some mistakes. I had some technical issues on the upfront. I was using a new podcast setup. We were recording this episode in kind of a common area. There's some background noise. There's some background music that's going to come in and out. Uh, but regardless, I still wanted to, to launch with this episode. It's a fire conversation and I think you guys are going to take uh, a huge amount from it. And I promise that I've gotten all the kinks worked out for these future episodes. But without further ado, we're going to jump straight into this conversation with Brandon Bryan. Uh, so this is actually episode one of... <laughs> I've recorded a few others, but like in order they're being released, you should know. This is episode one of uh, Tuesday Morning Coffee. It's going to be a show where I talk to other creatives and entrepreneurs and friends of mine about where they find the balance of creativity in life and what that intersection looks like and all of the chaos that comes yeah. with it. There is no balance, by the way. Great. <laughs> I think that's a good place to start off at. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to a friend uh, yesterday and I mentioned that I was coming to record this with you today mm -hmm. and they asked me what you did and I was like, he does a lot of stuff. What do you sort of, when someone asks you what do you do, what, what's sort of your elevator pitch? Because you, you got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. I keep it really simple. Uh, before we got on camera, you talked about you invite people out to 5 a.m. meetups because those are, those are the real people who would meet up with you. So I do it really low key. If you want to ask a question, you really want to know. So I say I'm into photography and video, and then I invest in early stage startups. And then if that doesn't get you going, then we're not going to chat much. Yeah. But if that one of those two gets you going, you're like, hold up, what? You do photography and video and invest in early stage startups? So what the fuck is going on? <laughs> one, photography and videos is cool. Yeah. But early stage startups, like, what is an early stage startup? What is this? What is that? And then we get into the whole pitch of like me working in banking for a few years, me starting a blog about menswear, me when I three months into that blog, GQ picks it up. Fourth month, I'm in GQ Magazine. By the 12th month, I quit to blog. I quit Wall Street to blog about fucking clothes. Yeah. And then, whatever, three, four years later, I don't work with any fashion brands at all. I only work on like content around entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. empowering, um, lifestyle, so like tech, financial services, travel, hotels, you name it. And Bank of America, where I used to work, where I quit, became my largest client. Ever really? Yeah. So it's just That's like, sick. I mean, life's just funny, man. Yeah. It's weird. It's funny. It's cool, and that's why I say there is no balance. It's 
some people say, like, what was your elevator moment? There are elevator moments and stuff, but everything matters. Yeah. And that's one thing I learned when I was like going full time. I was like, every little thing I do matters, and that's why there isn't a balance. Because you, it's just, everything matters. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So there's a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. Let's start out. Uh, why banking? Why banking? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and was that kind of like your first career that was like straight yeah. from college into banking? Yeah, I've had yeah. four careers. Okay. I'm 29. I had four careers since 23. So I was a banker. I was, I worked in a um, creative agency. Then I became a full-time blogger. Then I became an investor. That's fucking weird to do in <laughs> six years. Yeah. Um, but I became a banker. I went to school. I was, I was focusing on pre-med. I uh, went to a small school in, in Ohio, then transferred to Ohio State. Once I got there, I got into business, economics. And I've always been like a, I played three sports in college, or in high school, and then I played club basketball in college. Super competitive. So once I was in economics, I was like, what's the hardest thing I can do? And it's investment banking yeah. from a non-Ivy League school. Fucking impossible. And you're black? Come on, bro. <laughs> Why are you trying? They were just like, no shot. <laughs> no shot. And uh, somehow, as a sophomore, I got an internship in New York at J.P. Morgan. That helped me get an internship in Wells Far at Wells Fargo in L.A. And then it helped me get a full-time offer at an investment banking firm, one of the top five, um, Bank of America in New York. So, but here's the catch here. You train for six weeks, and then you go onto the desk to work full-time. Week two, I knew this job wasn't for me of training. <laughs> I lasted three years. Um, but because I knew that, like, this was going to catapult me to whatever I do next, mm -hmm. right? So, like, the community of everyone from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Dartmouth, Duke, Georgetown, the top people from their schools mm -hmm. are now my cube mates. They sit in a yeah. cubicle next to me. And then all of their alumni who are super high up are now my mentors or now my boss. Yeah. So, fucking take advantage of the environment while you're there, even if you hate it. Yeah. And then leverage that to do something next. For sure. So that's really interesting because I think there's so many people that would have either in week two or day two or whatever it is said like, you know what, it's not for me and walked out the door mm -hmm. or vice versa had like lost their dream somewhere in the middle. Yep. You know what I mean? Like in that, that's three years is a long time. Yeah. How did you sort of... The dream was lost many times, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, my dream wasn't to become an influencer <laughs> which I think there are people who want to do that now yeah. like yo I'm gonna just be an influencer blah 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 cool like my dream was to do something that I liked and so I tried to start businesses I was like yo like I have great ideas so I started a fast casual Indian the, the Indian version of Chipotle with a buddy of mine who was uh, Indian we were basically roommates all through college mm -hmm. so we started one in Portland because his he had family members in Portland who had uh, one of these, the food carts and food trucks. Shut it down, naturally sourced everything, or locally sourced everything, had natural, and just debunked the myth of like Indian food being like old, left out, mm -hmm. smelling weird, super spicy. We debunked all those myths. Yeah. What I learned is I fucking hate restaurants, the food <laughs> industry. I was like, I never want to work on something that's that far away from me. Portland, yeah. I'm in New York, he was out of Columbus. Mm -hmm. I want to work on something that I enjoy. So, when's the last time I did that and made any cash? I ran a suit shop in college called Per Suit. Slim fit suits, ties, and shirts for slim prices. And I ran that shop, and it was like an interesting, I wouldn't say it's a startup, but it was like a modern day. They wanted to take um, 
Joseph A. Bank mm -hmm. and take a thousand suits and only have five. One blue, one gray, a pinstripe, and two alternatives. Yeah. So I worked there, made seven bucks an hour, but I fucking loved it. Okay. And I would take a picture. Yeah. I would like put my phone up on the thing and then set a timer to take a picture of my outfit. Yeah. So let's let's actually talk about that for a second, okay? Because <laughs> I'm obsessed with uh, with process and things like that. Mm -hmm. So last night we were, we were like chatting, and I was like, oh, I want something like like a weird curveball to throw at him. So I scrolled <laughs> through 900 photos wow. to find your first Instagram <laughs> picture ever, <laughs> and I screenshotted it, and I was like, oh, like let's talk about this. And there so this go. is in a suit. This is in the store per suit. This is this is me at work, and so this is this is like really in a lot of ways early days of Wall Street Paper. This is so this is in 2013. Mm -hmm. I started Wall Street Paper in, in 2015. Okay, so like think about it. In 2013, I work at a suit shop, and I'm wearing the like the watches we sell. I'm wearing some of the socks we sell. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing I'm just borrowing a scarf that's there. I'm borrowing this like little lapel <laughs> pin and someone comes in, like people come to see me all the time because yeah. I go on a campus at now. They're like, who's this black guy who wears suits on campus? <laughs> and he, I'm like a leader in a lot of mm -hmm. um, programs on campus. So yeah. people know who the fuck I am. Right, right. So everyone comes through to the suit shop to come see me all the time. Yeah. So homie comes through and just like, yo, I was like, yo, can you take a flick? It's like, yo, how's it look? How, how, how do I look? <laughs> and so... Fast forward to 2014, when um, I'm like thinking about what I should do. I'm on Instagram one day, hiding in banking. I got hiding in the store. Mm -hmm. People, who, lawyers, bankers, accountants will go to the bathroom okay. just to like get away from yeah, people. Yeah. And then you might have did that at Vayner a few times. <laughs> you just like yeah, I'm just gonna like sit in here. Escape for a yeah, little bit, you know? I'm gonna sit in here in a stall. So I'm I'm not even using the restroom. I'm sitting in a stall just yeah. scrolling. I'm like, yo. Influencers follow me. This is when influencer marketing just started. So like, yeah. an influencer has five thousand followers. Okay. And I have yeah. twelve hundred, maybe fifteen hundred. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yo, these guys are following me. Maybe I should start a blog. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I redid my um, after my first bonus, redid my whole wardrobe yeah. with a custom tailor I found on Instagram. Okay. And then everyone's like, yo, where the fuck are you getting this shit from? This shit is dope. Fast track sixty to seventy people into my tailor. And then he starts giving me free everything, burgundy, yeah, yeah, greens, yeah. checks, stripes. And now everyone, everywhere I go, someone's stopping me. Right. And I don't know these people. I'm on a train. Mm -hmm. I'm just randomly sitting in the lobby somewhere. And everyone's like, yo, where are those shoes from? I'm at the grocery store. So I was like, why don't I find a place to put this all in one spot? And then Wall Street Paper starts. And here's the funny thing. When I told everyone I'm about to start blogging, everyone's like, yo, cool. Banker's blogging. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, people are like, so what's your blog name going to be? I was like, Wall Street Paper. It's already my name. Yeah. Because I changed my name to Wall Street Paper because I work on Wall Street. It, it was a dick move at first. <laughs> and then it turned into like, yeah. wow, this guy from Wall Street who's sharing his passion about the, the things that he enjoys in life outside of work. And then eventually I ended up quitting. I was like, this is even better. This is a story of, this is way better than Brandon Bryant. You know, a lot of people change mm -hmm. their name to, yeah, yeah. to their, full, their real name, their blog name mm -hmm. to their real name. I was like, Brandon Bryant sucks. <laughs> like Wall Street Paper is something that someone wants to dig in on. Where the fuck is that name from? 
yeah. I want to learn more about you. So I plan to keep that name forever. I never want to just do Brandon Bryant as like the mm -hmm. focal point, at least on the content side. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's where everything happened, man. So how long has it been since Wall Street Paper like officially? You you like this was your job. How long um, I was making 2015 was beta. Yeah. 2016 was leveling up. Mm -hmm. I made a few, maybe $10,000 in 2016. 2017, scaled the business to do six figures, went full-time April 2017. And then 18 was like, let's level up, like turn this into a real business. And then yeah. 2019 has been, let's now pivot from being just an influencer to a production company. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this idea. I, like, I love that you're taking the, like, the word influencer, but calling it like it's a business. Like it really is. Yeah. Like that's what you're operating as. And I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. You know, it's like they're just looking for numbers on the gram mm. when it goes a lot bigger than that. What was sort of your mindset in like shifting? Like, all right, let's make this not only my living and like a lot of influencers burn out in a couple of years, but you were you were setting a, a foundation question. in place to actually build to the next thing. Even before I jump into that, the whole numbers thing, the thing about numbers is like, what's the only way to really like value something and to actually like measure it usually by revenue? Mm -hmm. The only other way to do that for a content creator is by likes and engagement. Yeah. So that's why we get so fucking caught up in it and it like fucks us. Even the other day, like I, I posted something and it didn't do as well. I was like, man, why don't I feel this way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you don't have, since I do a lot of other things like investing, speaking, mm -hmm. I'm creating content that I actually like and trying to sell that as long form, if I didn't have that, like my entire soul would be in, wow, I thought I was gonna get 5,000 likes, I got 1,000. So now my day is shitty because yeah. this is the only thing I can look forward to. So if people only look forward to that and they only work on that, I think that's why there is like a lot of mental issues, and that's mm -hmm. something we definitely need to um, oh, yeah. address as a society. Um, but going back to the question of how you said, why do I think about it as a business? Well, I'm curious what it was. Was it you understood that sort of like the time of being like a just an influencer on like one platform is kind of yes. finite? Like you were like you wanted to be three steps ahead. One hundred percent. Like my from being a banker. And then after being a banker, starting to invest in companies. When we started Harlem Capital, we invested in everything. Small business, startups, and even real estate. Mm -hmm. We started to take a liking to um, venture or startup companies because they pivot so much and they are totally fine iterating yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that's why they grow and they like fucking kick, at, kick ass of um, incumbents in all these big companies who just don't see this shit. They can't move that quickly. Yeah. So what I took away from that is that you have to always put yourself out of business or else somebody will. Mm -hmm. And if you can think about the future and jump onto it, you can have success. And I did that through the first iteration of Wall Street Paper. There's a lot of ways to hack and grow and do all that. So I did that and I was like, okay, well, how do I make this to the next step? How do I go to the next step? So how do I go from just being a fashion influencer who barely makes any money to someone who works with Bank of America, someone who works with Uber, someone who works with Marriott, someone who works with Audible. All things that I use, all places that I 
with Go and products and services. So now I need to stop being a fashion guy by fashion. Why don't I talk about something real in the, in the captions? Why don't I shoot video and do voiceover? Commercial work. Yeah. Um, and then once I do that, I'm like, okay, budgets are looking okay. <laughs> but now everyone's catching up to this. Okay, so how do I re-innovate or re-create myself again? So let's do long form video where I host and my competitive mode is getting great talent. My competitive mode is production quality and my competitive mode is like storytelling, which is the crux, yeah. right? Yeah. Creativity, execution. So as I go there, now you have to pay me even more. And I don't think a lot of people are gonna make this, this jump. Mm -hmm. Some other people caught up and not a lot of people are gonna make this jump. Case in point, Instagrammers who are Instagram first have super hard time getting on YouTube, yeah. myself included, but vice versa. YouTubers have the worst time, in my opinion, creating good ads. They're so just terrible. Hey guys, wanted to let you know that this <laughs> is actually brought to you by VPN. Casey Neistat just did what about VPN. Yeah, I and I was that. like, yeah. you know, you're such a great storyteller, but your mind does not necessarily focus on integrating this. You're just like, hey, it happens to be brought to you. And that's just because that's the industry. So they don't need to be as creative, but I would say Instagrammers are more creative. But so, anyways, I, long story long story short, the people who can do both, and who can do long form storytelling, who can do the creative side, who can actually step outside of it and just produce, like those are the people who I can be doing this at fifty five. Because sure. you ain't gonna be, you know, Gary may be doing this at fifty five. Yeah, I'm retiring before that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, earlier we were talking that. Even though Wall Street papers really like been your grind for a while, mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden kind of taking the back burner. Yep. And things like Harlem Capital are becoming sort of in the forefront. Yeah. What's it like to be 29 like <laughs> building out a fund for $25 million? Yeah, and then just for everyone, just want to make sure everyone knows like, so Harlem Capital, early stage venture capital firm, focused on investing in startups that are founded by people of color and women. A $25 million fund, we believe that we are going to be oversubscribed. It may raise closer to 30, 35, 40. Mm -hmm. um, you write checks right now between 250000 to a million dollars into early stage companies. Um, probably one of the first four or five investors. And uh, we invest, we're industry agnostic with the investing. We just don't do anything that's like capital intensive mm -hmm. or that you need a PhD right. to catch up on. So no biopharma. Um, crypto, blockchain, AR, VR, that's just not us right now. Yeah. Um, so how does it feel to be doing that? I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome um, <laughs> every day, man, because it's just like when you work in this industry, like I said before, every single little thing counts. Mm -hmm. So all those little things randomly bubble up to wins. And it could be on a day that you feel shitty. I just posted an Instagram picture and it's terrible or I just had a client tell me no. But I did something like six months ago and this check for $15,000 just hit my bank account. So I'm like, what the fuck? It's right? like the balance, yeah. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is, much, this is just like how, how the fuck do I deal with this? Um, so I lean on the, the team, mm -hmm. the people who I'm around, like my family members, because these are the people who really keep me grounded. And then I, I like just how I, I started Wall Street Paper because I just love fashion. And somehow I turned that into a business. 
uh, I want to do those things to make me feel great. So I buy myself flowers every week. Um, I save 10% of my income just to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. So if I want to upgrade on this flight, I'm doing it. I don't give a fuck. If I want to get a new MacBook, done. If I want to just go to Hawaii for a week, which I did for 4th of July week, done. I was going to see a friend in San Francisco. She was having a little bit of a hard time. And I was like, you know what? Like, you know, work is is on you pretty hard right now. I'm going to just go to Hawaii tomorrow. We are just in San Francisco, and I was just like, all right, I'm buying a flight to Hawaii tomorrow. Bought a flight to Hawaii. And when you have no guilt, because that's the other imposter syndrome, you feel guilty to say yes to yourself. Yeah. When you have no guilt on this, it's just shit feels good. Yeah. It yeah. feels good to just enjoy things. And then on the other side of just like Harlem Capital in general, I'm understanding that I'm helping change the face of entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. right? By being able to write large checks into these companies. And I wish I was smart enough to start one of these companies, but I was just smart enough to be able to fund them. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. And it's um, actually AJ uh, Vaynerchuk says this all the time. He talks about how business is the next big sport. Mm -hmm. But if you put Esports is like way bigger than everything right now, which is crazy. But if you do NFL, NBA, what have you, like business overall is bigger than all this shit. And so I'm taking this as like a competitive league mm -hmm. where I get better deals than you. And I'm at a handicap in some people's mind because I'm only focused on people of color and women. And I want to prove that my thesis yeah. is way better. So that kind of gets me to get out of the whole... Um, imposter syndrome of like yo like this is a fucking game you need to get the fuck out the stands and check in right yeah and once you check in yo bro I, i'm point guard i was point guard floor general what can i do to make put all my other people in the right position to mm -hmm. score how can i be the coach on the floor yeah and when i take it that way i'm like oh who cares about imposter syndrome i can do this shit my way yeah so that's what i've been really mulling over and there's levels to it mm -hmm. so every time we like raise some money I'm like wow that's a four million dollar check we just got that is <laughs> so what where do you what are you sort of like how would your mindset you think shaped because I, I love this and I'm mm -hmm. I think again like I think you and I are like super aligned I'm curious where what sort of groomed that your thought process on mm -hmm. general approach to life is it like, do you read a lot? Is there like people you look up to in that sense? Or does it come from somewhere else? That's a good question. Just like how I said on the business side, I love to recreate mm -hmm. myself or put myself out of business. I also think I love Will Smith, man. Will Smith, um, Jim Rohn, who was mm -hmm. Tony Robbins' mentor. Just Les Brown. Dude, Les a whole other monster. These guys always talk about you can't, you get what you deserve. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. Like there are some people who have heartbreaks in the world, but when you work fucking hard and you execute and you add just undeniable value, mm -hmm. you get what you deserve. So when I went full-time as, as a influencer, content creator, I focused basically on like, what would I have to do to get a $10,000 gig? Okay, cool, mentally. What would I have to do to get a $25,000 gig? Okay, and then I was like, what would I have to do? Let's just dream right here, B. Let's dream for a second. What would you do to get a $50,000 gig? And I went to my head and I visualized 
the deliverables, I visualized the team I would put together, and I kept giving it. Mm-hmm. A few weeks later, got my first $55,000 gig. Now, here's the kicker here. Let me say this. Yeah. The kicker is my biggest gig before that was 8000 It's a little bit of a jump. <laughs> 7X, bro. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is like, I took that, I've been taking, that was in 2017, I've been taking that mentality at all times. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, how do I, how do we raise a hundred million dollar firm? How do I do the right due diligence to write a million dollar check? How do I put the right team together to sell? We're pitching the NBA on some ideas this, this week. How would I convince the NBA Players Association to give me six figures to create content for them? And you go into the meeting, with your ideas of content, Chris, blah, blah, blah. And then they tell you, yes, no, maybe so. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you prove that shit out. Yep. So for me, it's just very, it's cut and dry. Like hard work, understanding your personnel, asking what would, this is a good thing right here. A lot of people say no, but if you just go back and ask them, what would make you say yes? And you just do those things, damn. We should all be eating. <laughs> like, we should all be eating. So I'm a firm believer in like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. I'm a firm believer in Jim Rohn. Like, you have to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. That was a quote wow. that made me think more. Mm-hmm. And also like Will Smith said, you gotta be ready. You can't have to get ready. You gotta be ready for this shit. So that's why I always want to reinvent myself. Cause then I, if I'm ready, it's gonna come. Yeah. You know, I have some affirmations and I have some journaling that helps out. But if I'm ready for this shit, like, I'm going to find it. So that, that's just me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... <laughs> no, man, I, I love it. I love it. I think I think we're super aligned on it. But I, I mean, do people... you... I'm curious, like, do you believe that, like, for example, worrying about the past, just understand what happened in the past. Yeah. Do be present now. But, like, the future doesn't exist. Yeah. So guess what? <laughs> You can create it. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I actually, I actually weirdly think I'm too far in the extreme of how <laughs> much I don't like. I can't tell you what I did yesterday because I'm like, it's done, it's over with. Like, Let it go. It's on right now. Right, don't touch it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but document it so, just in case. It's documented. It's in there. Um, no, I'm the same way. Like every day, I sit down and like journal out everything. Like that's my first process in the morning is getting everything sorted down so I can go back and like yeah. revisit things later. But yeah, I'm very much right here right now yeah man it's crazy and like i have oh this is a great story fuck i can't wait to tell this one fuck and i said fuck too um <laughs> no so, please like that i think it's like the no point. the reason why i said the fuck is because like i had impos- this is a case of imposter syndrome my business partners are like there's two full-time two part-time the two full-time guys right now are just fucking annihilating the game yeah bringing the best deals in closing billionaires to invest in us and then I randomly like jumped in and got someone a big meeting for us. And I had him pitch with the whole team in like a few months. We go into the pitch and I'm like, wow, like I can't even believe we're here, man. We're about to like this could be a seven figure opportunity for us. Or at least like five hundred to seven mm-hmm. to seven five hundred thousand to at least over a million. And I'm like, wow, and this is my guy. My guy might have missed us. I'm like, whoa. And I was just like so yeah. nervous. So fucking nervous. So nervous to the point 
that when we go through the intros, I forget who the fuck I am. <laughs> but yeah, Brandon Bryant, um, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, went to Ohio State University, studied economics there. And then like, I blanked. I'm literally, I'm like, I blanked on who I was. I was like, uh, uh, and I kept stalling. And then I blacked out. Apparently I said, fuck, in a meeting. Like that, it was that loud. And it's just like, you are yeah. a family who has crazy money. And then my partner or one of my homies who like works with you, who's yeah. like the CEO of one of your businesses. This is the first five minutes. So anyways, <laughs> I finished it. I was like, oh shit. And I was like, well, I seen their faces. I finished my like, somehow I like, finished like, oh yeah. And I run a creative agency now where I help companies with their stories. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I was literally like that. Yeah. And then John Henry goes, and we go through the whole pitch. Somehow, when my pages come back up to do something, I take both of my pages, I do halfway decent, and then we leave. And I was like, Brandon, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and anyways, long story short, um, he still came in as an investor. And that was like a, such a learning experience for me that like I said, I yelled fuck in an investment meeting. And yet what we were building was so great that this person still wanted to invest. And that uh, my, one of my business partners says it all the time, like for people of color and women, I think this happens quite a bit, but people in general, believe you're, you're supposed to be there. Um, my, men, my business partner said uh, this on stage the other day, he said when he got to Harvard Business School, he called his grandfather and was like, Grandfather, I cannot believe I'm here. And he said his grandfather said, Dude, fucking believe it. It's yours. You're supposed to be there. Yeah. And so ever since I heard my business partner say that, I was like, wow, that's what I'm gonna do from now on. Every I'm supposed to be on this podcast. You know, I'm supposed to have a $25 million fund. I'm supposed to pitch to the NBA these great ideas. I'm supposed to meet my amazing significant enough of other and have children. And I kind of probably gonna still live in this Brooklyn area. And it's just like, fucking believe it and grab it and, and, and lean into it and just get back to work. Yeah. And it's, I just feel like it's just so hard to do that these days. I mean, it's funny because I, I very much like I've dealt with like a ton of imposter syndrome throughout my whole career. Like every time that something happens, I'm like, I don't know if this is right, <laughs> you know, but, but instead of thinking that I'm just like, all right, even if someone made a mistake along the way and I'm not supposed to be here, I'm gonna like prove to myself and everyone else that I am. You know? Yeah. It's just it's just grabbing it every strand you have and like making it happen. Grit, man, it's grit, it's being scrappy. Yeah. I think um, the other thing is like when you work on a team and you guys are like co founders, everyone wants to like try to be like someone sometimes. And it takes a little bit of I guess like balls to be like, you know what? I like that part. I'm gonna take a little ingredient and I'm gonna put that in my secret sauce. I'm gonna stop taking their entire secret sauce and putting it on my, my, you know, I guess, just putting it as mine. I'm gonna stop selling your secret sauce. I'm gonna actually create my own. Yeah. Right. So you have all this stuff. It's like the uh, the water from Space Jam. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like there's nothing sure. in this shit. Is a placebo effect, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna stop having a placebo effect of you having such a great secret sauce, and I'm just gonna look at it awesome talents and traits and I'm gonna do them in my style mm -hmm. and once I do them in my style 
hopefully through that different lens, I get different opportunities. I get different results. And hopefully that diversity helps the team go forward. Yeah. And that's why you really need to hire different people on your team. And that's why you really need to work with different people because you're going to learn, you're going to evolve, and you're going to have growing pains. And those should be really good for you. Because they were, they were definitely good for me. They were hard. And I'm still going through them now. But I think I would be, someone would definitely eat my lunch if I didn't. Is there any, are there, are there any of those pitfalls that you look back on and wish either didn't happen or you would have handled them a different way? Mm. Yeah, man. There's a lot of pitfalls that I would. I mean, hindsight 2020 all, sure. all the time. But, um, like, I wish I would have went to a different school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I would have went to, like, Brown or something like that. Or I wanted to go to Duke, didn't get in, Miami of Miami University didn't get in. They were both too expensive anyways. So I wish I would have did that. <laughs> or um, I'm trying to think what else. There was like this time where I was in basketball camp and I was devastated that I missed one of the playoff games. Yeah. And that playoff game, if we would have won, we would have went to the championship and the head of the camp would have came to the championship. And if he says you go to somewhere, he can send you everywhere. Kevin Durant, the Kyries, he sends them mm-hmm. to top schools. I'm height challenged, but <laughs> I still could have went somewhere to play ball. Uh, but to be honest, like the, one of my mentors always says, like, man, you gotta have scar tissue. Yeah. And think about it, if you got like burn right here or something, scratch, like these things remind you mm-hmm. of being in the trenches. Yeah. And so I've got scar tissue through a lot of this stuff and that's why I'm so focused on the future and creating it. Um, or like even like on the financial side, I finally got all my finances together. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the IRA, the high interest savings account, the here's the account that like I put $200 in every month. Here's the real estate property that I've been saving money for. Bam. And it's just like the less money you have in your bank account, the harder you work, even though you got shit working for you. It's, yeah. it's a mental fuck. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I got to just... I just change it up and plan for the future, man. Yeah. Because, you know, 29, and this is why I'm doing Harlem Capital. This is why moving from influencer to production company makes sense. Because I want to do those two things for the next 40 to 50 years. So if that's my plan, I put in the groundwork now. Because other people aren't thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> See, this is the thing. is like, I feel like we could have this conversation forever, but mm-hmm. this would go on forever. So I just want to talk fun shit for five minutes. Yes. Because that's the stuff we're into. Let's do it. Um, if you could only listen to three hip-hop artists for the rest of your life, who would it be? Yeah. Um, it would be Kanye. It would be... And these are just hip-hop artists. Uh, yeah, I want to be you there. Like, yeah. But, like, you can... It would Open be, it up. It would be Kanye, Nipsey now. Yeah. That album is just so, like... Well, now it's fucking iconic. To yeah. It, it just... Like, it means so much. Yeah. So Nipsey, Kanye, and... Damn. Unfortunately, Jay. No, I got nothing but respect The, the reason that. why is because, Only like, makes sense that we're sitting next to this building right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and the reason why I say, like, Kanye is because of, like... Kanye is Elon Musk of the hip-hop world. Yeah. Elon Musk... Before Elon Musk, people said, Jack of all trades, master of none. After Elon Musk, you can be a master generalist. That's like a term he like yeah. runs with. And I believe Kanye's done that. He's going to do 150 mil this year. 
And that's mainly off of his relationship with Adidas. Nipsey, I already told you why. The boy is just motivation, the marathon continues. And Jay, because he really talked about shit you don't know about. Yeah. He puts people on game so much, and he just articulates shit at another level. So those guys, timeless. Uh, designers. Who are designers. You, who you look up to? And how much is like, is fashion still at your core something you're like really interested in and kind of following? Yeah. Here's the thing about fashion. The reason why I started Wall Street Paper, well, I never started as a business. I started as like, like yo, I want to do something that I'm passionate about, that I enjoy, because work fucking sucks. And um, I wanted to also like, yo, I buy so much clothes, why wouldn't I just create content for people and get it for free? Yeah. Once I started getting it for free, I was like, hmm, what do I really want to do? And so funny enough, like fashion's not a core of me, but I create, like I don't wear jeans anymore. Mm-hmm. I only wear pants that I've made. And I make them out of Greenpoint. Okay. So I go to a fabric shop, get them, get fabric cut and then I go to a handmade shop yeah. in Greenpoint and I just wear those pants every day and then as tops I just wear Uniqlo or Everlane yeah. and I just literally did the whole uh, Marie Kondo mm-hmm. yeah. situation <laughs> where I just like simplified all this shit uh, because it was just too too much but to your de- designer question like favorite designers ever I mean Virgil I've never had off-white or I mean, I don't think I've had any Louis Vuitton clothing, but he's one of my favorite designers because of his um, design thinking, and like he only changes things by three percent and all that. The the talk he gave at Harvard's architect school was fucking phenomenal. So I love him. I for love that. that talk, dude. Like talk I'll let that shit play in the background all the time. Yeah, and it's just like wow, like this dude. And then at the end, when everyone throws their mm-hmm. sneakers up there, I'm like, bro, that was culture right there. <laughs> yeah. Like you have Harvard kids. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people from like the Boston area yeah, coming yeah. there. But you have all these kids throwing their shoes up there, and all the shoes are like fucking off white. Yeah. So it's like he broke that barrier of like designer, hip hop, culture to mainstream. He like really broke that barrier. Bruno Cuccinelli. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bruno Cuccinelli, like he is like the godfather of all like Italian clothing. Yeah. Like, I think he made the the turtlenecks for Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, all his gray shirts. This is a Mark Zuckerberg shirt. Yeah. I'm not, it's not Bruno. This is Everlane, <laughs> but Mark Zuckerberg gets his custom shirts made by Brunello, Cuccinelli. And this dude like treats, um, who's gonna be my third guy, he treats this shit like it's manna from heaven. <laughs> like man is bread that God sends down yeah. he treats his his lambs and his sheep like that and then the last one is Jerry Lorenzo mm-hmm. again I don't have any of these people's clothes yeah. whatsoever but Very they sure. are the best designers yeah. and Jerry I remember the first time I seen Fear of God and he would look at he's like yo this is God's brain I'm like this dude is <laughs> so in Tune. He is. This is him. This is a piece of him. All yeah. of his clothing. And then one of my homies worked there. And he talked about how everyone just dresses everything by hand, and every pair of jeans is different. And I was like, Wow, man. I want to. Which is why I left fashion. Because I was like, I don't like it that much. Yeah. To to jump in <laughs> it like that. For sure. And I need to work on something that I love that much. Yeah. And I hope that when I do find that, 
I'm making an impact like these guys. Mm-hmm. Instead of, again, chasing their secret sauce jar and like taking that and using it as mine, it's like, okay, I love that passion, I love that vision, I love that understanding, but I'm gonna take that and, and push it towards this. And I think that's something for a lot of people to, to think about. Yeah. You don't have to be Kanye, you don't have to be Virgil, you can literally be you, you can be Brandon, and work on something that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And if you make an impact and you change one person, Fam, that's great. Yeah. Last question. Last question. I hate this question. I, I love hate it. it more than anything. I love it. I hate the question <laughs> people ask me of like, how do I do what you're doing? Because mm. I'm like, I can give you the framework of like everything I've how done, you and you're probably going to end up somewhere different. But if you think there's one thing, if, if a kid wants to be Wall Street Paper, wants to be Brandon Bryant, what do they have to do to be to follow in your footsteps? Man, that's a great question. If you want to be anything like me, which I would just call myself a master generalist, like an Elon Musk, um, I think you have to have, I want to list some things, but they encompass one one big idea, which is like values and principles. Like you have to create your own values and principles. The way you create those or understand those is by spending a lot of time with yourself. When you spend a ton of time with yourself, you start to understand like who the fuck you are, what you like, what your tendencies are that are bad, what your tendencies are that are good. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to the Jim Rohn quote of working harder on yourself than you do on your job. People work too hard on their job, which I think is why everyone's in a fucking rat race. Yeah. Which is why everyone's depressed, which is why everyone, when they leave work, they're doing everything that they can to get their life back. Once you get out of that and you realize that I have to work on me and I need to become one before I ever meet a significant other, before I ever meet the, like, my destiny of the job or profession or even the, the right friends. Mm-hmm. So I would say all that together, like you have to work the hardest on yourself. Like Think about the hardest thing you've ever done in the world. Yeah. Take that mentality, that ruthless grit claw grabbing that just like undeniable top decile focus and do it for yourself and to become a better person to become a better like child Mm -hmm. better sibling a better uncle a better friend a better listener uh, a better learner uh, someone and just like work on all these traits as your foundation in the consequence of all this is that whatever you do is excellent. Whatever you do is not flawless, but it is the best that you can produce. And when you're working at the best you can produce, you just have to be happy with that shit. Yeah. It's totally okay. Brandon Bryant. My Thank guy. You, that was perfect time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Here we go. Thanks, man. Thank you, bro. Thank you guys so much for listening to this first episode of Tuesday Morning Coffee. I'm planning on coming out with you guys every single Tuesday morning during your commute or your morning coffee, whatever it may be, with a conversation with someone that inspires me. It would be awesome if you guys subscribed on whatever the podcast listening platform of your choice may be. Uh, please follow along with my journey and I'll give you guys tons of updates on everything I'm doing on Instagram at Babin. 
and follow along with everything Brandon Bryant is up to at Wall Street Paper. He's everywhere on the internet, and I'm so stoked that I got to sit down and have this conversation with him. Next week, I'll be sitting down with one of my best friends in the whole world, Adrian Solgard, who runs an incredible, sustainable backpack and travel brand here outside of New York City. We talked about some of the weird, crazy trips we've gone on, the ins and outs of building a business, living all over the world, and I'll be honest, this conversation gets super weird and probably, frankly, inappropriate at some times, but that's just what our relationship is. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I hope you guys have an amazing Tuesday, an amazing rest of the week, and I'll be talking to you soon.